0: Sunday, September eighth. My brain just froze for a minute because this is take two of this episode. Uh, Pat and I just recorded about forty minutes, and the computers crashed. So we are back in the lab, ready to go for you guys. Your Ninety Lions are two and zero after a uh, confusing victory over Buffalo, 45 forty-five thirteen. Pat, we're going to give the people a real show. We're we're gonna we're not gonna we're not gonna just breeze through this. Maybe we'll be a little quicker, but. Uh, let's let's give the people what they came for. So what are your thoughts your your initial thoughts uh, that you've never said in recording before and this is totally natural and authentic of course. on this game
1: uh, yeah this was like this weird game where Penn State seemed to play really poorly but still managed to win by thirty two points yeah uh, they it's, played played one really great quarter of football
0: yes yeah exactly it's it's super interesting because I was doing some research, you know looking up the stat lines um, and, and Buffalo did put up a lot of yards but like it just As I was researching, I was like, oh, that's not that bad. You know, they averaged something like three yards a carry. I was like, oh, kind of felt like seven. Um, So, yeah, like you mentioned, we did win by 32. uh, So we narrowly cover that 30-point spread. Um, We also narrowly hit the over. So if we look at our bets and our predictions from last week, I predicted 44-17. So I cash in on the over, but I lose on the spread. You, my friend. Predicted 49-10, 48-10. I don't know why I keep saying 49. So you cash in on both. Uh, congratulations. Would you like to take this time to give an acceptance speech?
1: Um, I'll pass since we're kind of pleased to do this second attempt. Uh but So that brings,
0: that brings our records to even, um, three and one each uh, on the season for our picks. Um, and, yeah, some pretty good predictions, I think. We were getting a lot of flack on Twitter. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read out a couple of these here. Uh, we gave out our predictions Saturday morning uh our friend cj scalzetti says you are out of your gourd on this chris which is just kind of funny saying so thanks cj uh he said buffalo can't pass and our linebackers are going to be hungry to get in on some of that action um shout out trevor trevor Panozik. he said defense will score one touchdown force three turnovers and kj hamler taking one to the house he was like 60 percent right on that side. pretty close shout out shout out trevor pretty close um Yeah, it was a weird game. It was a weird game. I think our predictions were spot on because we're
1: legends and we're football experts. Um, Not to mention my don't be surprised if. Yeah, yeah. Give the people uh, a recap. What was it? Don't be surprised if Buffalo breaks off some big runs. Mm -hmm.
0: And honestly, I think the the one thing I kept hammering home in our preview episode was um, this is a very different talent level in Idaho. People kind of got blinded by that 79-7 win. You were right about that. And just expected it to be the same thing. And again, we won by 32 points. It's a good win. But this is sort of what we predicted. So um, we'll go through this. uh, We'll we'll go through our our awards. So if you're a new listener, we we kick the show off with some awards. We have our Lion and our Lamb, which is our weekly MVP and LVP. Uh, And then we'll give some Big Ten awards, Big Ten Baller and Big Ten Bozo of
1: the week. Uh, Pat, kick us off. Who is your Lion this week? Tariq castro fields Ooh, had like eight tackles two pass defenses um and he was just getting challenged all game and really stepped up you know i i just like that mentality he was obviously kind of angry about the fact that they thought he was the weak link in that defense and he stepped up and he made plays all day
0: yeah i uh, i thought he had a really good game as well um there was there was a good bit of rotation in in the defensive backs we saw a couple of young guys get beat uh, Keaton Ellis got burned bad on a downfield
1: play uh, same with Donovan Johnson um, there was one where it was just like a really great pass and catch though
0: um, I mean, Keaton Ellis got burned for sure because you, you saw him scrambling back yeah um, Don Johnson maybe that one was a really great pass and catch but still got beat for like a big big game. Um, yeah. So to see a guy like Tariq Castrofields fields have a good game, um, kind of be involved in the whole game. I think he had, I don't know if it was a tackle for loss, but it was something up near the line. Um, he, he had a really good game, and, and I'm okay with that. Um, I didn't expect you to pick Tariq Castro-Fields, and I'm equally shocked on the second recording as I was Even on the first. Even the second time around. Um, I kind of went with a different pick as well. Uh, I think the obvious ones, and we'll talk about them in a minute, are Jahan Dotson and Pat Fryermuth, two offensive Really, really good games, um, but for me, I kept it. I kept it in the secondary. I went with my guy John Reed. That's um, yes, baby. I I love John Reed. One of my favorite players uh, throughout his whole career, and um, he did have a good game stat wise um, overall. But for me, it was that pick six. It was we had a real shitty first half. We weren't weren't moving the ball. We weren't getting pressure. Nothing was happening. Nothing was going our way. And then he comes out second half with that pick six. Takes it to the house. Uh, and that was just, it was a huge momentum shift for me. It, it was the moment in the game where I felt like, okay, things are going to be okay. It's been a sloppy start, but we're out of it now. Like, we're out of it. Um, we've talked about John Reed a lot on the show. Uh, you know, two years ago, he missed an entire season with an injury. Last year he came back and, and was kind of up and down, um, you know, came on towards the end of the season, but uh, just really good to see him playing good football. This is his last year. Um, so, you know, later in the season, when we start talking to NFL, we'll, we'll talk about what his prospects look like. Um, but that play, that, that was an NFL play to me. You know, he talked about in the post game press conference uh, how he had, he had seen that play that set up earlier in the game and was a little late on it. Um, so this time he saw it jumped the route and, yeah, I mean, you said this the first time we recorded. It was a pretty good throw. Like it wasn't. It wasn't yeah. like the QB. It was a up. little late.
1: It was a little behind the receiver. But that's a throw that most times is a completion. Uh, John Reed just first of all made a great read in the coverage to begin with. Very good coverage. Did a good job laying off him just enough to entice the quarterback into throwing. And then a great jump on the ball once he did let go of it. It was a great play, just athletically and mentally. And that you're right. That was an NFL play.
0: Yeah, so shout out to uh, our secondary, our corners, Tariq Castro-Fields and John Reed. You guys are Lions this um, week. We'll have you on the show anytime you want to accept your awards. All right, moving to the flip side, uh, we talk about our lamb. So again, this is the least valuable player, someone that had a particularly you know, not-so-great game, somebody that we want to see do better. Uh, of course, we don't like talking about negative things, but that's why we're here. We talk about the whole game, the whole team. Uh, who's your lamb this week?
1: Got to go with Ricky Slade, unfortunately. Uh, just, you know, three carries for eight yards and a huge, what could have been a really costly fumble at that point in the game. Um, and I know it was kind of like a freakish situation with a, like a lineman's leg swinging out of nowhere, but that's also like a pretty unacceptable way to fumble. Um, especially where we were in that game, you know, it was still close. Uh, we had finally started moving the ball. Like momentum was about to swing our way. We were getting chunks of yardage and just there goes the ball yeah it was
0: uh i just talked about how john reed's pick six um which i actually forgot to mention was his first ever pick six uh for penn state so congrats um but i talked about how that was such a such a positive momentum swing like you mentioned you know we were starting to move the ball this is the complete opposite mm-hmm. um and it was it was such an ugly fumble like it popped right out uh they recovered it it was like shit we're here we go again we're gonna lose um so I actually also had Ricky Slade. Um, I, I was equally shocked this time around too that you didn't give this to the offensive line. I know you have some thoughts on that that we'll get to. Oh, we'll um, hear him. But yeah, it's 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 tough because yeah, Ricky's stat line: three carries for eight yards, and he had his longest one was six. So his other two carries went nowhere, um, and the fumble. It's just it's tough because he was he was a five star recruit. He was a top running back coming out of high school and he showed some flashes of that last year you saw it when he would be spelling sanders and break off these big runs um and a lot of people uh, especially in the twitter world uh, like to talk about how penn state's going to be the next running back you right saquon miles now it's supposed to be ricky and then noah and then devin and honestly journey brown looks like the better running back right now um it's super super early it's a very small sample size uh but i am i'm super interested to see how this decision goes if we go into the pit game and ricky continues to struggle a little bit does journey become the guy i see the lead back um with you know you saw a lot less rotation this week right i think uh noah and Devin each had just one carry apiece so yeah ricky um we love you brother here lamb this week but but we hope you turn it up all right, let's move to our Big Ten awards, and then we'll jump into this actual game. Um, so, Big Ten. Uh, we like to look around the league, see what everyone's doing. We give out a Big Ten baller, someone who had a particularly great uh, performance, and then a Big Ten bozo. Pretty self-explanatory. So, Pat, who is your Big Ten baller of the week? The,
1: the Maryland Terrapins, man. Coming into town, unranked, taking on number 21 Syracuse, and beating them by 43 points. Uh, at the Beginning of the season, we... We kind of talked about how a lot of people were circling Maryland as a potential trap game, and we didn't see it. And boy, do I see it now. The only thing that like might make me still disagree with it is at this point, it's not a trap game. It's just a good team.
0: Yeah, it's a ranked opponent, because they, uh, they did jump into the poll. Um, so they are ranked number 23, I think. Um, I'll look that up, but... Yeah, um, they they play the twenty one ranked twenty first ranked Syracuse Orange beat them sixty three to twenty, uh, and I mean these these running backs on Maryland just crushed it. So they had three hundred and fifty four total yards, six touchdowns on the ground, and they had four different guys score. So kind of like our our performance against Idaho, where all four running backs were eating, these guys are doing it against a ranked team. Uh, so their top yeah. guy uh, Javon Leak seven carries, one hundred and seven yards, two touchdowns. Next guy, Jake Funk, which is a great name. Five rushes, 94 yards and a touchdown. Anthony McFarland Jr., who had that great game against Ohio State last year. 14 for 75 and two touchdowns. And Tayon Fleet-Davis, 11 carries, 67 yards and a touchdown. Um, quarterback didn't look too shabby either. 21 of 38, 296, three touchdowns, one interception. This is a Friday night game at Maryland. Um, I hate Friday night games. They just feel weird. Um so now you've got a team that is hungry. They got a new head coach in Mike Loxley, who if you remember was a co-offensive coordinator with Josh Gattis at Alabama last year. Um, you can see who the who the one of those two is having more success so far. Uh, it's it's Mike Loxley at Maryland. Uh, you know, they yeah. waxed they waxed Howard in week 1, 79-0. It's Howard. You don't know what to think. They come out here and do it again uh, to a good, a good Syracuse team. I don't think I'm uh, as high on them as, as you know, the polls were, um, but, but they're a good to team. It's my family to earn a football certificate? For sure, yeah, they're and no, no from beer school. And now
1: I got music your football playing. This is certificate and learn from the best. I don't mean, can I can't. College Football, Football College today! I'm closing. Because people, this is why we have the editing process.
0: Yeah, I'm just closing every window I have open. So there will be no more stats for the rest of the game because I'm closing all of the ESPN windows. For here. Maryland. Yeah. <laughs> and they're still open Jesus Christ okay and we're back (laughs) Um, okay so uh, yeah Maryland is it'll be an interesting game Friday night game weird game at Maryland circle that one circle that one folks yeah Um, our first real big test yeah absolutely assuming assuming that everything goes well with Pitt next week um, yeah it's gonna be a bit of a tough game so Moving on, my Big Ten Baller of the Week. There's a lot of candidates. With some really good performances out there. Uh, Justin Fields had another another really good game. Uh, 20 for 25, two touchdowns through the air, another two on the ground. He just he looks good. Um, J.K. Dobbins had a good game on the ground for them. Jonathan Taylor, Wisconsin, another four touchdown performance. Uh, he was your Big Ten Baller last week. Uh, big thing about Taylor is he's he's adding the receptions into his repertoire this year. Um, last two seasons, he's had only eight receptions each year. This season, he has five receptions, three of them being touchdowns. Had two in the first game, one in this game. Um, yeah, he's, he's looking like the real deal for for that Heisman contender. Um, but for me, my Big Ten Baller of the Week is going to go to a quarterback from the Purdue Boilermakers that uh, I don't know how to say his name. Sindelar? Sindelair. Um this is a really good game. Uh, Purdue played shit. I closed all my windows as you just heard, so I don't remember who they played. Uh, Purdue played Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt, um, forty-two to twenty-four, they take the win, uh, and Sindelar goes thirty-four of fifty-two, five hundred and nine yards, five touchdowns. I don't care who you're playing. That's yeah. a damn good performance. That's a damn That's good performance. Uh, Rondale Moore, who had a lot of uh, a lot of. Um, kind of hype last season after his breakout year. Had 13 receptions for 220 of those yards and a touchdown. So my Big Ten Ballers of the Week are Sindelar and Moore from the Purdue Boilermakers. Show. Oh, yeah. All right. Uh, this this show is going really well. You know, we, we've had audio issues. My computer just freaked out a little bit again. I feel like we're getting back on track. Let's make fun of some people. Yeah. <laughs> Big Ten Bozo of the Week. Like I said, self-explanatory, but let's
1: call out somebody who's a little bit of a bozo. Who you got? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to breeze through this one, but it's going to be Nebraska. I mean, you come in the season ranked 24th for really no apparent reason, despite having zero success for the past two years. <laughs> and then you managed to only beat South Alabama by 14, and then drop to Colorado 31-34, giving up 34 points to Colorado, including three touchdown three touchdowns 24 points in the fourth quarter and then not managing to score in overtime you're bozos
0: bozos yeah i had them uh, i had them on my list as well and the one thing that that sticks out to me is they got beat for a 94 96 yard i can't remember 94 yard flea flicker touchdown to, yeah, to call a flea flicker on your own six-yard line or own four-yard line is one of the ballsiest plays I've ever seen. And then executing it perfectly
1: like Nebraska. Complete lack of respect for that defense.
0: Yes, exactly. You know what they said on the sideline? Actually, these guys I have are bozos. A, yeah, I have, a, I have a source. He told me, he said, these guys are bozos. We're going to run a they flea bozos, flicker. Not only they bozos, they're Big Ten bozos. <laughs> a flea <laughs> flicker from our own end zone. Uh, Nebraska, you guys are bozos. Bozos. Um, yeah, the hype The hype for them is a little crazy. You know, Scott Frost, uh, good coach from, from UCF. Adrian Martinez has a lot of hype as their QB. They're not showing it right now. I, I don't think this will be any sort of year for them. Um, Nebraska, you suck. My Big Ten Bozo of the week uh, is the Michigan Wolverines. Uh, they sneak away with a victory against Army in a game that they, they should have lost. Honestly, they should have. They played really poorly. Uh, Shea Patterson, I, he's another one. I don't get the hype. I don't think he's a particularly good quarterback. Um, we looked up his stats earlier. He had a 200 yards, no touchdowns. And like um,
1: negative touchdown. 18 yards rushing.
0: Negative 18 rushing. All of their touchdowns came from their running back, who had 33 touches uh, for 100 yards and three touchdowns. And it was just like, it was a poorly managed game. Like, there, it was 14-14, fourth and two. And Harbaugh brings in Dylan McCaffrey, the backup quarterback, to go for it on fourth and two, which is like, I understand having people for certain situations, but that's just a bozo move. Um, that is. Goes goes where army stops him so like you could have you could have potentially won the game right there because regulation ended 14 14 you kick that field goal it's a game winner um, yeah. army goes brings in their their kicker who's attempting his first ever college kick for a 50 yarder he pushes it wide right i think it had the distance uh they go to overtime everyone knows the story michigan goes off to win um but yeah they they like they ran to their student section celebrating like they had just won a big bowl game.
1: Yeah. Like, like they just dude, beaten Ohio State. No. Yeah, which you haven't done. You just remember. escaped a horrible upset dude.
0: <laughs> you escaped a horrible upset. And, and yo, know, shout out to Army. First off, respect to the troops. Um, they, had a, they had a great game. Was it Oklahoma last year that they took uh, very close like this as well? So I think they're a better team than people give credit for. But Michigan's just a bunch of bozos. Yeah. Um, Quinn Nordin missed a field goal, which is always funny to me. If you remember, Quinn Nordin is the kicker who committed to Penn State with a black and white video. He was on a private plane, and that song "I'm Coming Home" that was playing in the background. Um, I wanted to make sure I sang that again because mm-hmm. people need to hear my voice. Beautiful. And then uh, Jim Harbaugh slipped over at his house, and he flipped to Michigan, and uh, it just it pisses me off. Like I, I know I tell people not to stay hung up on Justin Fields because he flipped and. He was never actually put on our team, so don't get hung up on him. I I don't take my own advice when it comes to Quinn Nardine. I every time he misses a kick, it makes me smile a little bit. So yeah. the Quinn whole Nardine, slumber party thing really
1: changes. Was that the whole slumber party aspect really it's, changes it's it so too? So
0: fucking weird. Like I know people had fun with it, but it truly is weird. Like I oh, would slept weird. over kids.
1: Yeah. Um, but anyway, Michigan. Like if a coach did that to my kid, like listen, that's the school you're not going. to.
0: <laughs> Michigan, Jim Harbaugh, Quinn Nordine, you guys are bozos. A side bozo to this, and I actually do want to talk about this because I learned in our first recording that you are a Colin Coward guy. Um, I'm not a Colin Coward guy. I I don't like him. Um, He had a tweet uh, that said this is what he loves about Jim Harbaugh, that he lets inferior teams hang around, and he teases them, and then he pulls out the win in the end when he knows he can. Yeah, garbage take. It's a really bad
1: take. <laughs> Not to mention that when he could have pulled out the winning regulation, he didn't.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Don't
1: don't he, tell me going to overtime and all <laughs> me was him teasing them and pulling out. Right? Like, that was his plan. And, and if, let's take him to overtime. And if, the that is the plan. Of that if that
0: is the plan, you're an even bigger bozo for disrespecting the troops like that. Yeah. Uh, so there you have it. Big Ten bozos of the week. Michigan, Nebraska. Guys, be better. All right. Let's move into this game. Um, Let's talk about the offense first. There's a lot to talk about. We'll go to the defense. We'll talk about everything. But talking about the offense first, um, like you mentioned, this was this was a weird game because we, we didn't play a great game. Played a good quarter, quarter and a half. Um, and largely, for the first half of the game, the offense looked really bad, um, particularly the running game and that offensive line. So hit me with your thoughts on the O-line. All right.
1: Here's the thing. I hate to say this because obviously I'm a fan of every person that is on the Penn State roster. Absolutely. And also, I feel weird and I'm fully aware of the situation of me as like some schlub sitting in my bedroom talking about high-level athletes. Yep. But Penn State's offensive line is bad, okay? They're bad. Gave up three sacks to Buffalo and then only managed to get 78 total yards, 58 of which came on one play by our quarterback that I'm pretty sure wasn't a designed run. I mean, and you, you you can't tell me it's a matter of the talent level between the two teams because Penn State clearly is getting the more talented recruits than Buffalo. Even Urban Meyer was talking about the talent differences and the, during halftime. I, it's got to come back to coaching, and we Matt Limegrover has got to go. I mean, I, I, I don't like talking about a firing a man and having him lose his job, but, like, are any of our listeners out there like interested in creating like a change.org position <laughs> petition to fire matt line it's, it's it's astounding that this man has managed to hold on to this this high-level job getting paid by a, at, at a public university getting paid with taxpayer money like with the performance he's put in over the past three years i'm sick of it he's gotta go hey, hey pat how, how do you really feel man Oh man, it's it's
0: tough. This is is where
1: tuition money goes to.
0: It's tough, man. It's it's again. You never talk about another man's job. Like I, I I like to think of myself as as the optimist on this podcast. Like things are going to work out. The offense. This will be the year the offensive line gets it together. And yeah, like they they didn't look great. And this is this is another thing with uh, a challenge with that big seventy nine seven over Idaho. Everyone kind of gets that false sense of security that everything's perfect, right? Um, This kind of exposed that like Buffalo is a much much more talented level than Idaho but nowhere near the level that we have gotten um
1: to so yeah, face
0: yeah oh 100% yeah if we if we're having trouble with Buffalo what happens when Chase Young from Ohio State is coming at you like that yeah. going work out it's got to be better so yeah i think i think it's time for lime grover um, like it won't happen during the season franklin's not going to do that but i think after this season honestly i think regardless of of the outcome I think he's gotta go because if we have a down year, it's you know, the offensive line will be suspect and and that's all the reason for it. If we have a great year and we get by with like an average offensive line, you gotta make that decision to bring in someone who can who can take you to that next level. Um, so I think something that's super interesting for me is how much difference a position coach can make on the field, but also in recruiting. So we talked about running backs coach Jaywan Sider. He's done great things for the running backs, but I think he's actually done even more in the recruiting world. Like he's gotten a lot of he's gotten Devin Ford and Noah Kane and the two four stars from Florida that we have in this class. Like he has been fantastic. Uh, Jared Parker, wide receivers coach this year, well, it's I know it's already. Already, games. already if, huge steps though. It looks like night and day from what we went through last year. Um, so I think if you look at the talent level that we need to bring in for the offensive line. You need a coach who can do that. And Lime Grover doesn't seem like the guy to do it for two reasons. Not to mention our special teams already looks better. Yeah, true. Shout out Joe Lurik, new special teams coordinator. Um, Yeah, Lime Grover doesn't seem like the guy who's going to do it because, one, clearly we haven't had a whole lot of recruiting success. We've we've had some top prospects. Like, CJ Thorpe was a really good prospect. Um, Juice Scruggs, who's on the team now, was a top prospect. Nana Asadu, which, side note, I've always said his name Asidu. The depth chart comes out and it tells you the phonetic pronunciations. You pronounce Asadu. his last name Asadu. Like, dude. Remember that video? Yeah. <laughs> it's it's late, guys. I'm cracking myself Asadu. up. So we've, we've had some top-level talent. But I guarantee you, and I haven't done this research, but I guarantee you if you look up recruiting classes from Wisconsin, from Iowa, obviously the Alabamas. But, like, the, the, you know, I think Iowa and Wisconsin are those those thoroughbreds of the Big Ten that just churn out offensive linemen. Yeah. And like, we're
1: a better team than them.
0: I completely Pretty agree. so Yes, so like, you need to bring a bring in a coach who can one show it on the field so that kids want to come to come to Penn State and play O line and two go out and recruit them. So, yeah, this was ugly. Um, you know, we talked. You talked about the rushing yards, seventy eight total, fifty eight of them on that Clifford run. Um, man, he's looking. He's looking like uh, like Trace Clifford out there, Sean yeah. McSorley. I don't know how you want to call it, but he looked good, man. I wanted him to score so bad. Um, it was nice to see that. But yeah. that— I mean, outside of his, I mean, he had, I think, he had something ridiculous, like 11 attempts. We had only 11 attempts. Like uh, I He had Jur-
1: 51 rushing yards, and he had a 58-yard rush. Yeah. Doesn't sound great, very, yeah. Not great, Bob. Uh,
0: <laughs> Journey Brown, uh, six rushes. Um, we already talked about Ricky, three for eight yards. And then uh, Noah and Devin each had one. Noah's was a touchdown, so that's cool. Um, but a lot less rotation than, than we saw last week, and... You know, just a lot less rushing in general, and that starts with the old line. Um, so yeah, I, I think that needs to I think that needs to change for sure. Um, a couple other things on on offense, um, we'll we'll stick with the negatives here and then kind of finish off on some of the positives. F- for me, uh, Clifford, you know, the stat he ends up with a really nice stat line. He had four touchdown passes, two to John, two to Friermuth. He made some nice plays, but a, a theme that I saw that I'm I'm worrying about a little bit is his tendency to underthrow wide receivers. Um, we, we went through this on the first record, so I won't I won't bore you with some of the details. But for the listeners, um, the first touchdown to Jahan uh, was definitely underthrown. It looked like it, it it looked like it was supposed to be like a corner route. I don't know why KJ was over there as well. I don't know if somebody ran the wrong route or maybe it just I don't know. It looked like a traffic jam, uh, but he had not, he underthrew that one maybe a little bit out of necessity, but could have been a better ball. Um, there was a third and long uh, where he he threw to KJ. It was it ended up being uh, a flag uh, and KJ dropped it, but it, it was underthrown. Um, he just kind of hung it in the air. Granted, he was on the run, but same thing. If you're able to lead him there, that's a potential huge third down conversion, and who knows, maybe a touchdown. Um, later in the game, KJ had a double move that was gorgeous. Just absolutely put his defensive back in a spin cycle, beats the man, and frame, or I'm sorry, uh, Clifford hangs it up. Uh, KJ catches it, gets tackled almost immediately, it's nice, it's a nice big game, but if he leads him there, it's a touchdown, um, and I think, you know, on, on the regular watch, it was it looked like he was going off his back foot, so maybe you give him a little bit of slack there, You yeah, look at the replay, I, I rewatched, you know, some of the game this morning, it looked like he was kind of just jittery, like he got the big wide eyes, saw KJ was open, and just kind of flicked it, whereas if he took maybe half a second, stepped into it, really put some, some muscle behind it, that's a nice play, so... You hope that's something that, that develops. Uh, and then the last one is Fryer with his touchdown. So this was, I believe, a fourth down that we went forward on. Um, it was like a little tiny out route to, to Fryer with. And he kind of throws it behind him, like, like bringing Pat backwards. Um, Pat makes a great catch on that. Um, you know, kind of like, almost reminded me of the Brenton Strange touchdown from week one yeah. uh, when Levis threw it behind him. Makes a nice catch, turns up field, gets some excellent blocking from KJ and Jahan to run it in. Um, but this is something for me with, with Clifford that uh I, I want to see progress on and I think we need to if we're gonna if we're gonna compete at a
1: high level. I agree with you. I thought he had a very good game overall, but there was there's was like the little things that like didn't expose him in this game but could in the future that you you saw.
0: Yeah, yeah. Even uh some of the out routes, like there was the the one catch that Shorter had, um and I mean there was some some good coverage on it, but through like low and away, shorter had to make a play on it. And um, there were a couple other out routes that that same thing. He kind of under threw there, and the receivers had to help him out. Um, it, again, it's it's a good game. The stat line shows it, but realistically, I mean, there's four guys that caught balls. You know, shorter had the one, Fryer moved Dotson, and Hamler. Um, like it, it wasn't an amazing game. Um, we talked on the first on the first run through of this about Ricky Ronnie's play calling. I think you and I are kind of split. I, I don't know how to feel like. And I think that's kind of the theme of this game. It's like, yeah, we put up 45 points, of course, but like, it didn't feel like a great, great called game for me.
1: I liked Ricky Ronnie's play calling this game. I think he had to deal with the fact that Buffalo was controlling the you know possession for all game, which is something he can't control at all. Um, and then I think he was smart enough to not try and do that back, especially considering we our offensive line was utterly ineffective this game. Uh, so he. Got creative. To me, it felt like he got creative and aggressive with the play calling to carve out some big chunks of yards, make big plays, and put up forty-five points despite all that. And I thought like getting creative and uh, aggressive was one thing we didn't really see from him last season. So to me, it felt like a step forward. It actually gave me a lot of confidence in Ricky Brown.
0: I respectfully disagree, but
1: (laughs) I see what you're saying. I don't know.
0: For me, it's like we talked about this a little bit, like we, with Joe Moorhead, I always felt like whenever he was calling, I fully trusted him, fully, fully trusted him. It was always the right call. And I don't, I don't feel that. Like I don't feel warm and fuzzy when we're like, we're in a third and long or we're going for it on fourth. I'm like, oh fuck, here we go. Um, yeah. there is know, definitely
1: punted. this feeling with this offense that it's either, it's all, all, working. It's not working at all.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we punted five times, um, you know, And, and the, the big thing uh, that we'll talk about uh, has, has to improve, and this is part of my, my issue with the play calling as well, uh, third downs, man. We, we talked about it in the preview show that this was going to be a key to victory. We went two of nine on third downs. Um, I'm going to ask a question here for the listeners. Pretend not to know the answer because you already know I'll give know you my this. original answer. Okay. Uh, there are 130 teams in the FBS. After two weeks, where do you think we rank on third down conversion percentage?
1: I believe my answer is we, we have to be close to last or last because I believe we're three for seventeen so far.
0: Yeah, so we are number one twenty eight out of one thirty. Uh, we are at a point one seven six, so kind of like batting average, right? So, point uh, one seven six. The only teams worse than us, Georgia Georgia Southern at point one six zero, and New Mexico at point oh six seven. Um, it's not good. It's not good. Like there's no two ways to say it. Like if you can't convert on third down, you're not gonna win big games. And we need we need to be able to do that. So we won't we won't go into all of the play calling, but I, I'm I'm not sold on Ricky Ronnie and I hope I hope I hope I'm wrong on that. I hope he becomes the coordinator that we think he is and that he can be and that Franklin believes in, but I'm not super sold.
1: Yeah, I mean I think part of that has to do with the fact that the running game was so ineffective that you find yourselves in third and longs, which are never they're not gonna be high percentage third down conversions.
0: Yeah, yeah, but I mean, that, and that's that's part of the problem, right? It's like we can't keep putting ourselves in that position. Um, you know, we talked a lot about, uh, and you heard Franklin talk about how they made made adjustments at halftime, and they made some really good adjustments, and that's how we were able to succeed. Um, he even acknowledged like they have to find out how to do that in game. You know, make adjustments in the middle of the first quarter, middle of the second quarter. Um, for me, it's just like this is Buffalo. You're a 30 point favorite. You shouldn't need to rely on halftime adjustments to win this game.
1: It's true, yeah. Like I like the fact that I thought he made great halftime adjustments, but you yeah. bring a solid point. And
0: <laughs> yeah, and again, it's a forty-five thirteen win. It's a fucking win. So like, this is us just you know splitting hairs, but it's it's things that when you see a team like Maryland pounding people, when you see teams like Ohio State playing really well, like we're gonna go through a Big Ten stretch that we're gonna need to be. Damn near perfect if we're if we
1: actually want yeah. to
0: you know contend. So
1: and the fact of the matter was that like the first half just wasn't acceptable. Like this no. this game had shades of Michigan last year written all over it to me. If you remember Michigan from last year, by the time we made halftime adjustments, it was too late. I mean, yep. We didn't make them, but by the time we could have made them, it was too late. <laughs>
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly. You talked about the sacks, the offensive line. There, there were plenty of plays where Cliff was, like, running for his life, too. Yeah. He made a, made a couple of nice scrambles, but, like, I remember I was at the bar, like, screaming at the TV, watch out, like, watch out, he's right there. Um, so those things need to change, uh, but but we flipped to the positive side. Um, like I said, I'm shocked neither of these guys won won our Lion Award, but Jahan Dotson, Pat Friarmuth, both really great games. Uh, both guys right at that 100-yard mark, I think. I think the official stats sheet has Frymuth at 99, Jahan just over. But both guys had two two touchdowns as well. Uh, what were your thoughts on, on those guys?
1: Yeah, I mean, Jahan Dawson seems to have developed into a serious downfield threat. Um, he had like, uh, hold on, I'm going to look it up real quick, but I think it's like four catches for...
0: Four for 109, 109. and two
1: touchdowns. I mean, that's huge.
0: Yeah, um, average of 27.
1: And then Frymuth is like our dependable 5- to 10-yard guy. So, you know, obviously, sometimes you get to the bigger ones. And he gets great yards after the catch, and then you got like KJ, who even though he was quiet for him in this this game, yep. he he does both. And then Justin Shorter, I don't have a huge sample size yet, but he seems to be a guy who's like a dependable kind of short route guy.
0: Yeah, so I think I think for me on this one, the challenge is like everyone like going into this season, the things that we talked about for like the offense and the the receiver group, like KJ's going to be an explosive playmaker <laughs> in year two because we saw what he can do. Fryermuth's gonna be one of the top tight ends in the Big Ten in the country. He I top. I think he is the best tight end in the country. I, I have no problem saying that. And like that's not even me being biased. I, I genuinely think he is, and that's having watched very little other tight ends. <laughs> um, but like that that was the that was the storyline, right? It's like Hamler's gonna be our, our Swiss Army knife, Fryermuth's gonna be the man, and then Justin Shorter is gonna play up to his five star potential. We haven't really seen it yet. Um, he looked okay in Idaho. He had one catch this game for nine yards. It was an out route. Um, it was fine. But I think Jahan Dotson's kind of the forgotten man. Uh, and Franklin, like, hyped him up a little bit over the summer. And we talked about how when Franklin hypes someone up, they typically typically comes to fruition. The two that he talked about all offseason, you heard Jahan Dotson, you heard uh, Jason Owe. So Dotson Dotson's putting his money where his mouth is. Um, if you remember, he was actually committed to UCLA. Flipped to us. So thanks for flipping, man. Um, but yeah, he's, uh, I think I see him as like, if we look at that 2016 offense, I think I see him as the Godwin to KJ Hamler's Deshaun Hamilton. Um, not perfect comparisons by any mean. They were all very different receivers, but like I see, I see Dotson taking on that role where like KJ is going to have a lot of splashy plays. He's going to break a lot of big things and we're going to love him. But I think you're going to see a lot of really good things out of Dotson that, because I remember I watched back, like, uh, I think it was like, uh, traces highlights from that year of all of his touchdown passes and like i forgot how much cotton was all over that tape like yeah. it's just it's so consistent that you don't, you don't realize how good they are at the time and i think we're starting to see some of that with Jahan dotson
1: yeah and i mean i'm just i'm very sold on the penn State wide receivers this season it was such an issue last year with the drops and just like the inconsistent play i'm already totally sold
0: yeah, yeah, we've seen you know we've seen very few drops this season. KJ had one uh, on an out route to the side, and then one on that long third and third yeah, and long.
1: I, you disagree? I, I dispute that drop.
0: <laughs> I think it's a drop. It's a catchable ball. It's a it's a hard play, yeah. but I'm going to hold them. eight. It's a championship standards, okay? I'm holding <laughs> our guys to championship standards. Um, but yeah, it's a, you know it's it's I, I like our receiving core. Um, you know, you didn't see you didn't see anyone else in this in, in this game. It was Dotson, Fryer, with Hamler and Shorter. That's it. So, obviously, we need to kind of continue seeing that evolve. But overall, again, you put up 45 points, you get a win. There are things to be fixed.
1: I mean, four guys getting a lot of receptions. You know, how many many guys typically get receptions in a game? Four is not, like, extremely low amount. It's a low amount, but, like, it should be four guys getting the bulk of the work.
0: Sure, but I I, I think – I guess I – I don't want it to be like a four-trick pony, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, like there, are, there are teams out there that I mean, you, you have to be able to spread the ball too. You have yeah. And the, more importantly, like you need to make sure that a team can't game plan for that. Like if they know your offense is uh, Fryer, Move, KJ, and Dotson, and that's it. Obviously, our running game is non-existent, right? Like if a, if a team can plan for that, it becomes much harder to
1: kind of have the advantage. Yeah, I'll tell you what, Chris. I don't want them to be a four-trick pony, but perhaps they can be. Four
0: horsemen of the apocalypse. Oh, okay. See, look guys, we bring it around. Okay, we bring it around.
1: <laughs> and we didn't even do that last podcast. That's true. That's a new one. That's <laughs> a new one. New. <laughs> All
0: right. So that's the offense. Let's move on to the defense. Um Yeah, defense, again, we'll start with some of like the the not so great things, and then we'll move into some of the good things. I mean, for for a game that we are both of our awards went to defensive packs, like defense wasn't perfect today for for any sense. Of the word, uh, we allowed 184 rushing yards, 3.2 yards per carry. It felt like a lot worse. Like it, I, when I when I went to look at that stat sheet, I thought they were going to be averaging like closer to five because it well, felt like they were running were a lot at lot will.
1: Of, There were a lot of negative carries at the end of the game there. Yeah, true. And and, and the first but, half, they really seemed to run at will on us. Um, and I I talked about this with we're not a big offensive line. We could struggle against a run. If you call the right run play against us with all the movement that we have going on in our defensive line, you can have a lot of success. Uh, but I think our defensive line just really didn't play well at all in terms of penetrating, at, at least in the first half, just penetrating off the snap, like winning the, the line of scrimmage, and also with the, the pass rush, which it should be expected, was not in way of one sack, really yeah. not very
0: good. Yeah, um, it, it wasn't a great game from the D-line, and you know I love the D-line I do too. is my best friend. Uh, me and yes. Coach Spencer, we hang out on the weekends. Like I love this D-line. Uh, there, was just, there was no pressure. Uh, and, and again, even more so, Like we, we talked in the preview show that this is a team that is going to run, that they love to run. Um, we talked how they have a young quarterback who last week went 5 for 10. Not only did we not get pressure on him, we made him look good. I mean, he was 16 of 31 for 245, one touchdown, one interception. That's not bad for a kid who's, you know, not really a throwing quarterback. Like yeah. we, we talked about we talked about I mean, I remember top of the show, yeah. CJ, one of our Twitter followers, said they can't throw. Like, yeah, that's what it looked like. Turns out again. He had some really nice balls. Like he did. there were some really, really nice plays, and there were a
1: couple that he just missed too. So Not and a great I, I thought our the best part of our defense this week was the defensive backs.
0: Yeah, yeah, they, and they had
1: Two big uh like receptions, one of which was a blown blown coverage but the other one that was just like a really great ball couldn't have been defended much better
0: um, yeah yeah so the two was uh keaton yeah. ellis uh true freshman corner he got beat on one he just he just absolutely got beat tried to recover kind of went up for it and, and couldn't make the play uh, the other was donovan johnson who this is his first game I remember he was suspended last time it was a really nice throw but he, he definitely got beat a little bit as well yeah. um yeah it's 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 uh, for a game where we kind of expected our linebackers to take over, shut down this run. It's scary to see them putting up that much uh, on the ground because again, we, I mean, we talked about Maryland earlier and how they ran all over Syracuse. Like we're going to need to be able to stop
1: those attacks.
0: So uh, some of the leading yeah, I, tacklers. I like to, yep. Go ahead.
1: I would like to see like, he, he was around the ball a lot, but I would like to see Mike Parsons be a lot more kind of aggressive.
0: Yeah, so, uh, I mean, he, was, he shows up on the stat sheet a lot. Uh, it's interesting because, like, you know, you see him you see him used in a lot of different ways where he's rushing the passer. There, there were two times that a false start saved Buffalo's quarterback from being absolutely decapitated by Micah. Um, but they're, they're rushing him a little bit, and then there's other times where he's kind of out in coverage where he doesn't look great yet, to be honest, in coverage, but you kind of have to be able to do that playing the position he's playing. Um so it, it's interesting to see how he develops as like a true focal point of this defense this year as opposed to last year when he was just this super athletic five-star, you know, swarm to the ball and, and be, be the guy. Uh, so leading tacklers for this game, Jan Johnson had 12 total tackles. Uh, only one of them was solo, so he was just kind of in on a lot. Uh, Cam Brown, 10 tackles, six of them solo. He had that forced fumble with the recovery. Cam Brown played very well. Really great game from camp. That that fumble was awesome because, like, he pops it out and then, like, nobody really saw it. He was just kind of on the ground, scooped it, scrap it, it in. Yeah. I love when that happens. Uh, so that was really cool. And then, like, yeah, a
1: textbook, like, bite the ball fumble. It was yes. great.
0: Yep. Yep. And then, Micah was your third leading tackler. Uh, so he was there. 10 tackles, two solos, two tackles for loss. Um, so, what I, what I will say here is, like, we only had one sack. We did have 10 tackles for loss. So, there was a lot happening in the backfield. You
1: saw it a lot in the second half where, like, yes. it seemed like their offensive line maybe just got tired or, like, yeah. finally had their number. Mm-hmm. But, like, in that first half, they, they were no, – those they, were not coming.
0: No, not at all. Like, we looked bad. We were getting no pressure. So, like, seeing that happening, seeing seeing that we were able to get 10 tackles for loss, like, it feels like this should have been, like, a five-sack game, 18 tackle for loss. Like, yeah. you know, like, the pressure should have been there and it wasn't. So, that's kind of scary. Um yeah, I mean, this, this felt a lot like a bend, don't break defense. Um, and and the problem, too, we talked about time of possession. Buffalo had the ball for 42 minutes and 32 seconds compared to Penn State's 17 minutes, 28 seconds. So it, it's tough. You know, wears down on the defense. I get it. But people people were, were talking about pitching a shutout. Like, I mean, you know, I, I said 17. You said 10. They come up with 13. We were, we were pretty spot on there. Like, yeah. you know, it, it's going to happen. And, and, again, as we get into the Big Ten slate, there's going to be
1: – a lot
0: better offenses than the Buffalo Bulls.
1: Yeah. I think people tend to forget, too. Uh, our defense was excellent last year, but it was also a bend-don't-break defense. Gave up a lot of yards in a lot of games. Yeah. Um, in this game, I did feel like we bent too much. Mm-hmm. because you, you can't let teams control the ball as much as Buffalo did. Um, and You know, it's just... We're, when you're playing better teams, you if you let them have the ball for... 20, 22 minutes. 20 minutes a half, we're not... It's not going to be good for us. It's bad. Yeah. Like, um, bend, don't break has been Brent Prize sort of a thing. mantra, yeah. But there was too much bending.
0: Agreed. Completely agree. Uh, kind of, yeah, it reminded me of, what was last year? I think maybe it was Illinois game where they ran for like 300 on us. Yeah. Um, but again. And then we thing. broke
1: it open late again.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I, it's it reminds me of 2016. And I'm always going to compare it to that year because, you know, that was our magical big Ten run. Like, we, we banked on being a second half team that year which was, like, fun in the moment because it was was always that hope of, like, well, we're going to turn it around. But you shouldn't be thinking that in week two at home at night against Buffalo. So some good things. Like I said, you know, Tariq Castro-Fields, John Reed both looked good. John Reed, the interception. Cam Brown, the forced fumble. Um, And and a lot of guys kind of, you know, swarmed into the ball. But it it felt like they could run kind of at will getting three, four, five, six yards every time uh, until the end. So I don't really have much else on the defense. It's uh it's a good not great performance um maybe maybe not even good it's it's a it's an okay not no, I'd call it good thirteen points yeah, yeah still but at it's the end like of the
1: day s- respectfully disagree I'm gonna keep saying that <laughs> I would like um, still more Brandon Smith out there
0: yeah but I mean remember you remember my don't be surprised if it was this this is don't be surprised if the starters play ninety percent of the game which yeah. they did and again Brandon Smith is truly uh, like third <laughs> on the depth chart maybe fourth like um. You look at guys like Ellis Brooks, who played a lot this week. Guys like Jesse Luchetta, um, You know, there's some talent there that I, I do want to see Brandon Smith involved, but like, I, I, I don't know. He's. It was exciting to see him in Idaho. I don't think, and I probably am contradicting myself because I've said the exact opposite before. But I'm starting to think at least he's not going to be in that same Micah Parsons role last year. Um, I think we have a lot more depth at linebacker, and again, if we're struggling, like you're not going to be, you're not going to be rotating him in. You know. Yeah. All right, so let's finish up with some special teams here. Not a whole lot. Um, uh, Jordan Stout, who uh, – shout out to Roar Lions Roar, I think, on Twitter. Uh, it's a, a Twitter account. I think they have a blog. Um, during my live tweeting of the game, I was you know at the bar. Uh, he kicks a great touchback, uh, Jordan Stout. And I was trying to think of something, and I couldn't. It was a long day. I was at the beach getting a lot of sun, had a couple of drinks. Um, so I just wrote, like, Jordan Stout, touchback machine. It's not very clever. They wrote something later on, uh, calling him Touchback Jesus, and I absolutely love that. <laughs> he's got the long, he's got the long brown hair. Touchback Jesus, not, like not, no religion affiliation here, but it's just funny. Uh, he is eight for eight on touchbacks
1: this Had game. Kind of a playoff Notre Dame's touchdown Jesus.
0: Yeah, probably, but I'll
1: take it. I like it.
0: Um, eight for eight. So yeah, you remember the first game? Um, apparently he missed one the first game. I thought he was perfect, but he had one that wasn't a touchback. They Um, had
1: one that was a fair catch.
0: Oh, okay. Which is,
1: I guess, a new thing that you can fair catch it inside the 25 and it goes to the 25. Right, right,
0: right. Yes, yes. Yeah. Which is so fucking weird. Like, I don't like that rule. But anyway, eight for eight. Again, I'm going to say this all year. Like, this is, this is an absolute weapon to have at kickoff specialist. And I'm very, very happy to have him on. Ran through the the end zone on
1: all eight of them, too.
0: Yes, yeah, championship habits. He heard it. He heard it loud and clear. Um, Pinniger, good. I mean, he had one uh, one field goal from 32 yards. Looked good. He was fine on extra points. Um, We talked about this last week. It'll be interesting to see how they progress if they do, you know, get Jordan Stout more involved in the field goal game or if it's truly just 50-plus. Didn't see the opportunity this week, so it didn't matter. Uh, And then finally, Blake Gilligan. Um, Like I mentioned, five punts, 41.2 average it's not great um, like I you know the and the one the one was like 50 something but it was a it was a very friendly bounce um, I don't know I'm not a punter expert but I remember like two years ago this guy being a stud just absolutely dropping hammers uh, I'm gonna go I'll look up the stats but like last year was definitely a down year and he's talked about how he's wanted to be better this year so far I haven't really seen it um, kind of worries me a little bit
1: yeah I I one well, of those Parts of the game you kind of tend to overlook, but we would like to see some better punting. And one, I'll give him, you know, he was backed up very, you know, in the end zone. We were at like our own two-yard line. That's never going to be a long punt when that happens, but...
0: True, true, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully it's something. And I'm not, I'm not saying to replace Blake Gilken at all. So please don't spin my words. Um, apparently, Jordan Stout can punt too. So I'm, ta- I'm talking more about next year because um, this is Blake's last year of eligibility. Um, you know, you're not, you're not really recruiting punters, right? You typically take one when you need one. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if Jordan Stout takes over that next year as well. Stay tuned. Um, but that's really it for this game so like we said it's kind of a weird game um you know not to say we called it but we called it we knew this was happening uh and honestly i'd I'd almost rather i'd almost rather this happen and get out some of those those kinks expose some of those things that need to be exposed rather than you know kind of blow through a a team like this and and think everything's perfect so we have pit next week uh we'll do a preview show made a week for you guys um NFL full, first full Sundays today of NFL. Some Penn State guys getting in the action. Um, we'll talk about that. Notably, Mike Gesicki. Notably, Mike Gesicki. <laughs> uh, shout out to some bozo on Twitter. Uh, yeah, we forgot about this. We talked about it on the first recording. So yeah, let's let's end the show with this. This is kind of funny. So today is the first NFL Sunday. You guys saw uh, Thursday night was uh first game. Allen Robinson had a really great game. Adrian Amos had a, a game sealing interception. It's kind of cool seeing Penn State guys. Back in the NFL. Uh, quick aside, did you see everybody upset that like Adrian Amos didn't say Penn State in his opening? You know how they say like Allen Robinson, Penn State University. Adrian Amos said, "I, I didn't actually see it, so it was either his high school or he said like Baltimore, Maryland, where he's from." Um, and people were like, "Wow, no love for Penn State?"
1: Relax, <laughs> like yeah. I mean, I'd like to hear him say it, but yeah, I relax. couldn't
0: tell you how I couldn't tell you how much I don't care about that, like. <laughs> I really don't like it's and dude I mean the guy's been in the league for what like four years now I'm sure he's said it every other time maybe he wants to give his hometown some love maybe there are kids at his high school in Baltimore Maryland that means so much more for it than it will for us no it won't you nor that are there. they doing
1: podcasts about their high school football I don't <laughs> imagine, think so imagine they are it would be
0: <laughs> fucking hilarious um but anyway, so today, uh, first full Sunday, you know, I'm retweeting some things that I see about our guys. Mike Kosicki has, uh, you know, it was it was it was a catch. I, I won't even say it was a nice catch. It was he was wide open. Uh, Fitzmagic finds him. It was like a 26 yard game. It's pretty cool from a guy who had a pretty subpar rookie year. Like he didn't have a lot going on last year. So I, I retweeted that video, and all I said was Mike Kosicki alert. I think that's
1: Not even pretty- an exclamation point.
0: No punctuation. No punctuation on purpose because it, it was just a catch. I thought it was cool. wanted to share it with my followers. So one guy who is actually a follower of ours, which I think is really funny, he quote tweets this video of, of my post and says, Penn State fans are, all caps, the worst. And I'm sitting there and I honestly – I, He's also five,
1: allegedly a Penn
0: State alum. Yeah, it says it says Penn State 2016 I think in his bio. Um, and I'm sitting there going like I, – I spent a couple minutes. I was like – I don't know what he's saying. Like, why? Like, what do you mean? The worst. So at first I was I was gonna take the high road, but I was I was laying on my couch, a little hungover. I was like, all right, let's let's mix this up. So I write back to him and I, and I just say the worst? Question mark? Because like again, genuinely not sure what he means. So he writes back the worst. A 17 yard catch. Whoop de doo And I'm like, all right, this is just kind of ridiculous. So again, having fun. So I quote tweet that one. I say, number one, it was a twenty-six-yard catch. If you're gonna complain, get your facts right. Number two, imagine being this upset about sh- someone sharing a video of an alum from the team you claim to like couldn't be me because he's you know he says Penn State in his bio, um, and uh, he eventually writes, "pathetic." He did his job. Just relax, man. It wasn't anything special. I said. So I replied. Mike Gasicki alert is pretty relaxed. Sorry you're mad online. So shout out to that guy. He's still following us. I appreciate you. I guess just chill out, man. It's the NFL season. It's the first week. Mike Gasicki had not a great rookie year and made a cool play. Like it wasn't. It wasn't amazing. It wasn't anything. That's why I just wrote Mike Gasicki alert. If you don't like it, go kick rocks. Um, but that's it. That's it for uh, for this week. Weird win, but it is a win. We are two and zero. 2-0, 2-0, moving on to pit, 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 preview episode coming midweek, we are.